Uh, we're going to be looking at this morning the area of emotional well-being and uh, as we're walking through our this 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 theme of God's plan for our well-being in our lives we're looking at our, our emotions today now I wish I could tell you that uh, I was Professor Craig Hopkins and uh, and I had all the answers to our emotional well-being truth is I am exactly like you like bumbling through lots of these things we're in this sort of uh, student type thing as we work these things through together and so I'm uh, my cards are on the table I have not got this completely sorted at all we are we are all whacked and racked by different emotional realities in our lives one of my daughters has been assigned by her school uh, to read the book by RJ Palacio his, his great novel wonder have you ever read it uh, the other day we watched uh, the film version of the book. Uh, the story of Augie, a little boy with a genetic and uh, abnormal facial uh, deformity uh, from birth. He, um, and, and his journey as he starts and journeys through high school. It's a story of how he copes with friendship and bullying because of his physical condition. And I, I was in bits. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm a father or I'm old or I'm just becoming far more emotional but like I was in bits. I had to just keep clearing my throat and wiping my eyes and pretending all things were fine. Whatever we are and however we respond whether it's through a moving story or through someone who thrills our hearts or I don't know like a snake <laughs> that terrifies us. We are all emotional beings. And we are because God is. The Bible tells us that God is a, is a, is an, a, describes God as an emotional being who feels. And because of that, and because he has made us uniquely in his image, you and I are emotional beings that feel. We get to feel the, in the incredible reality of, of love and joy and hope. Those, those feelings that thrill us and fill us. But of course, in the, 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 all those brilliant realities are in play. And, and what then God's design is for our lives is that we get to live our whole lives really, really well. And importantly, make brilliant choices in response to our emotions. The Bible tells us, however, that sin entered our world. And it lurks in my heart and in your heart. And sin separates us from God and leads us to a road of willful rebellion to him. Sin ruins us. It's ruined us spiritually. It's ruined us relationally. And sin has ruined us emotionally. And so instead of being able to cope well and recognise our emotions and make good choices as a result of them, Sin has warped us, whacked us, so that if unchecked, our emotional lives can ruin us. And we tend to make decisions on the back of our emotions that can sometimes lead us to a worse place than we ever started. Anyone know what I'm talking about this morning? The incredibly good news, however, is that Jesus has come to save us. God, God's rescue for humanity is Jesus. Not only then the one who the one who perfectly lived 
and sacrificially died in order to deal with forever the issue of sin that separates us from God. Through his death and resurrection has forgiven sins and brought people who trust in him in back into relationship with God. That not only then renews our, our spiritual lives and our relational lives, but our emotional lives as well. Jesus saves us to renew our emotional lives as well. And with Jesus in our lives, we not only know the absolute freedom from the burden of sin and guilt and shame, but we can also know the joy of continually being changed in the era of our emotions. We're using, forgive me, this great resource at the moment, God's Plan for Your Wellbeing by Dave Smith. And this week, as we read through our emotional well-being, we're going to read again and again of some brilliant ways in how we can improve our emotional well-being. And I'd really encourage you to stay on this journey with us. We talk about gratitude and hope and two ideals that just improve our emotional well-being tenfold. We'll it'll talk about Sabbath and rest and put principles in place that will help us massively. So read along, my friends, read along. Today's reading from the Bible in 1 Kings 19 shows us the dramatic and disastrous cycle that we can get ourselves into when we make decisions from a place of emotional ill health. The account in 1 Kings 19 gives us a perspective on what can go wrong. And I'm convinced that as we journey through this over these next few minutes, that many of these things will resonate with us as we spot things in our lives that, gosh, that's me. And, uh, but also this passage gives us great hope too. And so let's dive right in. Elijah is a prophet at uh, an arguably the worst time to be a prophet in the nation. The entire nation has turned against the one true God and has been led by the king and queen and national leaders in worship of idols, of false gods, of gods made by hands and human hands, of, of statues and the like. Now in that context, of course, idols were those things, but in our lives, idols, are effectively anything that isn't God that we worship. And we can tell that we worship them because we think about them and play our resources towards them. That can be our kids, our families, our house, our career, our health, whatever takes the place of the worship of God. Elijah, in the context of this nation, decided to lay down a challenge. Which God to serve and trust him was the big question. The gods of the king and the queen, or the god of Israel's ancestors, the one true God. And he lays down this massive challenge. He says he grabs all the priests and the worshippers of these false gods, and he argues and challenges them to pray. And he'll pray to his God, and the God that answers them by fire, that'll be the true God. Now, that's a big challenge because, of course, that means that God will have to answer by fire, uh, not just a nice feeling or something. This is a big old deal. The, this is chapter 18 describes the event. It, the, the gods 
The, the priests of Baal start worshipping, praising, praying. Nothing happens. Elijah prays and is vindicated. God, the God, answers by fire. Consumes a sacrifice and everyone sees it. And the nation turns and says, the Lord, the Lord, he is God. Elijah is vindicated. He must be on a phenomenal high, that everything has changed. The, the nation has turned, the atmosphere has changed. Like, yes, everything's been accomplished. But of course, that isn't the case. Uh, because the queen um, hasn't given up on this. We read of the fact that, the, as Haley read to us earlier on, that the queen issues a threat to Elijah that within 24 hours, he's going to be dead. You'd think Elijah would be untouchable, of course. You'd think that he just prayed and fire fell. You just, an entire nation has begun to be renewed. Uh, but this isn't the case. A threat on his life changes everything. Verse 3 of 1 Kings 19 says this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Now the New Testament author James tells us really helpfully that Elijah was a man just like us. This isn't some like Marvel superhero or some comic book savior. Elijah, despite the fact that he just prayed and, and fire fell, this is a guy just like us. And that's important, I think it's really helpful. Because here's a man who was responding, a normal bloke responding to a very significant emotion that he was feeling. Emotions are real. They're, they're not to be neglected or suppressed or triumphed as the, as the be-all and end-all. They, but they are real drivers. They're, they're action points in our lives. They spur us to action. Emotions are real. They're a gift from God. And we feel them because we're the image bearers of God. But sin has warped our emotions. Uh, sin has, has damaged them and it's warped how we respond to our emotions. Elijah was afraid, but his choices led him in a real destructive pattern. I'd argue this, that emotion plus right choices equals emotional well-being. Emotions plus right choices equals emotional well-being. And you could change the, the, the formula that emotions plus bad choices equals emotional ill health. Look what happens to Elijah. Follow along with me if you've got Bibles, 1 Kings 19. Fear comes knocking at his door. And that is a big emotion, isn't it? That's like, it's a pretty understandable one when your national leader wants to kill you. I think fear is a very normal thing in that thing. And fear is, 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 a, is, a, is a bigger emotion in loads of areas of our lives, a very understandable one. You have a phone call from your doctor telling you that she wants to see you uh, after your blood test results. She needs to have a conversation. Fear. Your boss calls saying that he needs to speak to you about the restructure that they're planning in the office. Fear. When schools, remember when schools happened? 
Um, your, chi your child's teacher phones you saying that your child's fallen over in the playground and an ambulance has been called. Fear. Or your exam results haven't turned out in the way that you had hoped and now university is on the cards, is, is off. Well, fear. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And there's very few of us that might have experienced this specific type of fear. Not many of us have known Boris Johnson threaten us with our lives. But fear is a very, very common and present reality for many of us. I mean, maybe it's a fear of failure or rejection or what someone might say or think about us. Fear of the future. Fear of spiders, I don't know. The Barner Institute has just issued a study results that say that 45% of millennials, that's sort of like a little bit younger than me-ish, 45% um, are afraid when making decisions. Fear can cripple us and it certainly prevents us from living in the way that God intended. It certainly presents us, prevents us from living outside of God's best for us. It can cripple us. It's not what happens with the emotion, but it's rather what happens next, how you act in light of your emotions that determines whether you live in freedom, in alignment with God's best for you, or destruction. What did Elijah do? You can guess, I think. <laughs> well, we know he says that, uh, that he ran away. How many of us have done that when, when a, a significant emotion, negative emotion kicks in? We run away. The Bible tells us that he ran to a place called Beersheba. Th that's an interesting and significant place in the Old Testament. It's at the south of the border of the nation of Israel, God's people, the place of God's purpose and plan. And Elijah had run to the fringes, to the borderlands. Away from the centre of everything, get out to the fringes. And emotions kicked in and he needs to flee to the fringe of the area. How many of us have done that? You know, we felt pain or rejection or confusion or challenge and have quickly moved to a place where we perceive there's less threat, where there's less people, where there's less accountability or challenge. We run to our cave. I, some of us have caught, talked about it or a safe place, shouting like, leave me alone, as we go there. It's at Beersheba, verse 3, that he leaves his servant. Now, that's interesting too. So, here's someone in Elijah's life who ordinarily, when things are normal, helps him. Helps him to live and to move, helps him in his life. He's his servant, so he's there to help him travels with him, sticks close to him. But Elijah is responding to a significant emotion. He's run to the fringes and now at the fringes has cut loose the usual source of help in his life. How many of us have done that? <laughs> emotion hits us, we run away from community to the fringe and there we make matters worse by cutting out of our lives people who usually in normal times, are a source of real help to us. <laughs> you see what is happening here? There's an emotion, but now there are bad choices being made. Elijah keeps on going, verse 4, travels for a day into the, what the Bible here calls the wilderness. 
travels for a whole day, probably on foot. And so now from a place of triumph, just a chapter earlier, fear comes and he is gone out into the wilderness, tired, hungry and malnourished. And here comes the lowest point. He prays, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. And he lies down and he falls asleep. I wonder how many of us have fallen asleep at moments in our lives, gone to sleep at night, racked with fear or insecurity or pain, wanting it to all just go away. I know I certainly have. Elijah went to a really emotionally dark place where he's asking for his life to end. Now, I'm no doctor, but that is someone I would suggest that is not displaying emotional health. (laughs) But it is the reality, isn't it? It is the reality that a series of choices uh, have taken him out of community, away from help, uh, isolating in wilderness, and from there he's exhausted, his diet is poor, there's a lack of hydration, and all of this has compounded that original emotion tenfold. Everything's got worse. He was afraid at the beginning that someone might try and kill him. And then because of that emotion has led a series of choices to a place where he ends up saying, I wish I was dead. How does that work? (laughs) He runs because someone was killing him, wanting to kill him. And he ends up in a place wanting to die. What a horrific, destructive cycle. And whilst this is fairly extreme, maybe, this isn't the -the run-of-the-mill stuff in our lives, I guess it is what loads of us go through. Because fear and its uh, its very good friend, anxiety, uh, ruin us. But before we just completely focus on negative emotions, I should say this, that I've known people who've had tremendous emotions, like the best of them, but they can still make bad choices that leads them to emotional ill health. I know people that have have experienced the real joy of falling in love. (laughs) Well, who doesn't want that? The brilliance of that feeling. And yet you can still make bad choices that can end up in a place of destruction, can end up in a place of isolation or wilderness, a really bad place. How does that work? It's clear in this account that uh, that Elijah knows the reality of a of a of a real human, and I'd probably say demonic threat to his life. It, like this is real pain stuff. Uh, it causes him to fear, leads to a bad choice after bad choice after bad choice, and results in him being in a worse place than when he began. I mean, but the great news is. The great news is, listen to this, the great news is that God has sent Jesus to rescue people just like Elijah, like a man just like us. Jesus rescues us. (laughs) 
And it doesn't matter how far you've run away. It doesn't matter how tired or hungry or isolated or hurt you are. It doesn't matter how many horrific choices you've made to get yourself in the pit that you are in. You are never, ever too far away from the God who wants to rescue you. You're never in a place that God cannot rescue you. And the best thing Elijah does in this series, this catalogue of bad choices, the best thing that he does is pray his death prayer. See, he doesn't internalise it. It isn't just a little thought. He doesn't convey his lot to, to someone else. He doesn't write a to-do list or sit in a quiet room for 30 minutes and contemplate his life. All of those things might have helped. And he might have got some relief, and you and I might get some relief from doing those things, but I don't know about you. But if rescue is an option, then let's take that. You see, Jesus comes to rescue us. And you can think you're the most emotionally tuned in person in the world. But my friends, if you don't know Jesus as your rescuer, then hell still awaits you when you die. And you're always just an emotion away from tasting hell right now, where fear can grip you, where isolation and bitterness and loneliness and unforgiveness and the feelings of the whole host of those horrible emotions that hell will be full of will be our reality. Jesus comes to set us free. And here's the faintest of cries in the backside of the desert. And he comes to respond. A friend of mine once said, even a groan reaches his throne, to be poetic about it. The quietest of whispers he hears. Because look what happens after this. Look what God does in this account. First of all, after he prays and falls asleep, we read that God rouses him from his sleep. Like God comes and rouses him from his pain-filled sleep and provides him with nourishment. He sees bread and water prepared for him, miraculously. And after he eats and drinks, he goes back to sleep, a far better place of physical rest. See, God, God loves to help us in our physical well-being, knowing that it impacts everything around our lives. But bread and water is symbolic too, of course. It's symbolic of Jesus, the bread of life, the water of life, the source of our true strength and energy and emotional well-being, where we, Jesus is the true reason why we can sleep well at night. And Elijah carries on now, full hungry now to meet with God, and God meets with him. Not in the not in the massive distractions that can happen when we feel like we're on the way up. Ever been there? You feel like everything's getting better and then there's loads of distractions, a new job, a new career, a new love, something brilliant happens and we can easily get distracted on the way back up and miss the voice of God. Elijah was hearing all and seeing all these distractions but God speaks to him in a very unique, personal way and he knew it. And from that place of knowing God's nourishment, 
feeling his uh, feeling uh, that that his strength hearing his voice uh, God sends Elijah back out of the wilderness back into community back to purpose and life and destiny reminds him that however he's been feeling he actually was never alone and now God equips him with works to do that will alter the course of his life and the lives of everyone else around him see God's in the business of making all things well isn't that incredible and friends that's what Jesus does that's what Jesus does for us he doesn't cover us in uh, in cotton wool so that we are that we never feel the emotions of this world we never feel that we're cushioned from the emotions that circumstances hit us with but he can be a very present help in all of them he 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 wants to aid us in the choices to make the right decisions in response to how we feel those grand feelings and by knowing him he aligns our emotional health with his God's best for our lives this this alignment this faith this trusting God our Savior keeps us emotionally well it, it, it helps us through the ups and the downs that life has for us again and again Jesus our living Savior rescues us all the time <laughs> so how do we leave this this morning well if you're in a place right now of emotional real health praise God for it I mean like if you're buoyant and faith-filled then then yes why not take a moment and just respond to God with gratitude we'll read this week the gratitude giving thanks helps keep us emotionally well and so read along with us this week, this great book. Read along with us and, and let's examine areas of our lives where we can be strengthened and resilient in our emotional health that will help us when we face emotions. Maybe you're, maybe you're not feeling particularly emotionally healthy right now. You, you're somewhere on that cycle of despair and despondency. You recognise that some of the choices that you've made have compounded some of the things in your life that after a really strong emotion that is resonant and pertinent to all of us maybe you're at absolute rock bottom well i think on the authority of his word jesus wants to pick you up jesus wants to come and turn you around and set your feet on a rock and help you through it all you see the on your own i i encourage you today on your own call out to him ask him for help and trust him that he will elijah was strengthened he was encouraged he he heard god's voice for himself and was filled with purpose again filled with with it was brought it brought him back to one thing though will he choose to do what God says will he go back will he listen and respond positively I found that very often we want help we'll share our lot with lots of people but we really want to do what God tells us to do some of us have been really hurt and we meet with God and he says forgive that person 
and we don't want to. And so we stay in the cycle of destruction. We, we can have the great emotions of, 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 of joy and fulfillment in some ways and, and we, we, we seek God in it and he says, is, is this relationship or is this, 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 this journey, is it in alignment with my best for you? And we don't want to give it up. So we ignore God and we end up still in the cycle of despondency and despair. God wants to rescue you but he doesn't want to leave you in your mess. He wants to help you. He journeys with you to lead you to the best choices to make for the best part of our lives. Will we respond to what he says? Jesus rescues us and he knows the best way out. <laughs> and so I encourage you to trust him with your life. I'm so grateful to be known by Jesus. I'm so grateful to be loved by God, who hears my deepest cry, who comes to rescue me, is patient with me, and has the resources to clean me up, fix me, and set my feet upon a rock again and again. Often he brings brilliant people, church, specialist organisations into our lives to encourage us on our journey, but it is him. It is only him. It is Jesus that truly resets and renews our emotional health. And so may this week, my friends, may this week, you know this great God afresh. And may you know that reality of him leading us to a far better emotional health. And I should say, if you do watch the film Wonder, you should get a, a big, big, big bunch of tissues to help you on the way. My friends, may God truly bless us, help us and encourage us.